Hello, folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If you want to listen to that regularly, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple, Spotify, and uh, make sure you rate, review, but most importantly, subscribe. If you do subscribe, you won't miss our episodes when we drop them on Mondays. And speaking of Mondays, it is one right now. It is Monday at 7 p.m. And that means we are live on YouTube. Go to the A to Z Sports Nashville YouTube channel and subscribe there. Because if you do that, you can catch us live at 7 p.m. on Mondays. And uh, you can be a part of the show because you can drop in, comment, say what's up, say give your thoughts on whatever we're talking about. And we'd love to go through the comments and interact with what everybody is saying. And uh, so go and do that. And, and then come be a part of the show at Charlie underscore Burris at Zach TNT at A to Z Sports on the social medias. And adzsports.com for all the stuff that Zach writes. Oh, Zach, it is some of the deepest part of the offseason already, especially with baseball kind of being in the middle of the road. We're not really sure exactly where they're going. It's not like last year where they were just, you know, burning a hole through absolutely everybody that they played, and it was just exciting to talk about every single week. Um, what's been up, Zach? What are you, what are you doing? How do, how do you satiate during, during this time period outside of baseball? I'll tell you, I don't even want to talk about baseball right now because my Mets just got beat 10 to 3 by the Nationals. They're in the worst kind of slump right now. So it's been pretty rough. Hopefully, your Rangers can take care of the Braves tonight. I know there's a lot of Braves fans here that are in the the Vols fan base as well. But, uh, you know, Rangers having a decent season so far, leading the division. Yeah, even without DeGrom there pitching that they signed. And trust me, I know all about that. But no, it's been kind of. It's definitely the uh, the depths of the offseason here. I spent about 15 minutes today watching a video of Alex Golish, uh, former Tennessee offensive coordinator, answering 56 random questions. I watched the whole thing, and uh, that's that's how much into the offseason we are. And he did reveal his two favorite wins of all time as a coach. Obviously, one was Alabama. The other was when Iowa State beat Oklahoma in 2017 in Norman, it was the first time Iowa State had beat Oklahoma in 27 years. So I thought it was pretty interesting that his two favorite wins were, you know, obviously at Tennessee beating Alabama, of course, being a part of that is, you know, historic and, you know, lucky, not not lucky, just I guess it is kind of luck to be a part of the staff <laughs> that finally gets to experience that. And then beating Josh Heupel's alma mater in Norman, that's uh, kind of ironic there. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's how my day has gone. Yeah, it is pretty much that way. You you get to that point where you're just like, well, I guess I'll watch clips of the Alabama game. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that is where I still have, I, that, on my, I still have that on my DVR. I still have on my uh, my DVR. I still have the Alabama game, the Clemson game, and the Orange Bowl. And I think I've still got the Kentucky game because that, to me, that was still one of the most fun games of the year because there was just it was just a complete beatdown from beginning to end. Will Levis looked completely foolish that that afternoon the defense or that night the defense played probably their best game of the year one of their best games of the year for sure and, and Hendon Hooker and Jalen Hyatt were on point that game so that that's a fun one to go back and watch absolutely but I I will say something that's been making me sick speaking of Will Levis is our our own parent company here A to Z Sports oh boy they've been falling over themselves about the way Will Levis at minicamp oh he he made a pass. He did a pass, Zach. The quarterback did a pass that was complete. Oh, give me a break. Let's you know, see, him, the, see him do it in a game. The Athletics, Joe Retsrode, fantastic, you know, Nashville-based reporter, does some vol stuff too. Uh, he wrote a like a kind of a profile piece about Will Levis this past week, and it was fantastic. Joe's great. Everything he writes is great. Yeah, Joe's awesome. Thought it was very insightful. But him in depth on who Levis is as a person just made me even more convinced that it's not going to work uh, in the NFL for him. He's just he's too too much of a tryhard. I, I know we've talked about it to death, but it, it just seems like he's trying too hard to be what everyone wants him to be. And until he figures out to just be Will Levis, whoever that is, I think he's going to have some issues. Yeah, he he feels like a. It's like he's like trying to be a TV character, like acting on a show. You just go like, this is something, you know, the, the uncanny valley here. It's just not right. Like something is not real here every time he does anything uh, like that. But 
Um, I'll just say this to the rest of the A to Z sports crew. Stop it. You stop that. <laughs> Shut up yeah. about Will Levis. He's going to suck. I, I think there are a lot of guys, uh, especially that some of the guys covering the Titans. I mean, they're not Tennessee fans. I, 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 really, with A to Z sports, it, it's really just me, you, and, and Austin, and a couple yep. of other guys that are kind of the Vols guys. Most everybody else is not not in, in that same fandom category. So I think they kind of have a different view of Will Levis where they don't see him the way we see him, which is fair. You know, maybe they're right. Maybe we're wrong. We'll see. That's the beauty of the NFL. It really is. Uh, I I don't know. I, I don't I don't want to wish ill on anybody. I just hated that pick so much that I want it to crash and burn. Cause because I already I'll say this. I'm resigned to what this Titans season is gonna be. It's it's Tanktown USA, right? That division's winnable though. <clears throat> it is well, that's true. And that's probably what's gonna end up screwing us over. We we could legitimately tank, but the division is so bad that it'll just be like the the Jaguars inching it out barely and then the Titans in second. And so we end up with like seven, eight wins and you don't get anything actually good. You're just you get like, that nice, like 13th overall pick <laughs> exactly. where you don't, you know, you got to take another offensive lineman pretty much or, or maybe a DB. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly what's, uh, what's going to happen, but whatever. I, uh, I know there's a lot of Titans fans like, like this guy in the comments, he says, it's not tank time. Are you paying attention to anything the Titans have been doing? I mean, this team's going to stink. So whatever. <laughs> um, so this is a Tennessee podcast. Uh, and so we're going to talk about, uh, Tennessee, the university of Tennessee. And, uh, we'll start out tonight just by talking about an article. Speaking of the NFL, like, I guess talking about an article from pro football focus that talked about Joe Milton being one of the top NFL prospects for this coming season as a quarterback. We're going to talk about that. Some recruiting updates, uh, for, for Tennessee, a really big prediction for a really big recruit, uh, coming to Tennessee, Julian Phillips and the basketball team. Uh, Julian Phillips is transferring or going to the NBA. We're not sure exactly what's happening yet. Uh, and then softball wins the SEC tournament. Another SEC championship for the Tennessee Volunteers. And baseball wins a series against Kentucky, but loses that third game and gets absolutely blown out in that third game. How do we take that going into the postseason? We'll speak about all of that. But before we do... I have to tell you about our first amazing sponsor, and that, of course, is the great folks at Omaha Steaks. They've hooked us up uh, this week. They're changing it up. We got the Father's Day deal this week. Whether he's your father, father-in-law, or father figure, he's the guy who is always ready to step up when you need it and most. This Father's Day, show him the love with the only gift that's as unforgettable as he is, the mouth-watering perfection of Omaha Steaks. From perfectly aged, oh so tender steaks to hand-selected gift packages, Omaha Steaks makes it easy to give dad what he really wants. Order today and get $30 off with promo code VOLS, and every purchase is backed by their unconditional money-back guarantee. That's right. Head over to omahasteaks.com right now and use promo code VOLS. That is V-O-L-S. Check out and get $30 off your qualifying order. Packages can include fork tender, bacon wrapped filet mignons, gourmet grillables like the air-chilled boneless chicken breast, burgers, jumbo franks, and many more favorites. I mean, are you kidding me? If you're not hungry listening to this, maybe you just ate dinner, but otherwise you are probably starving as I read all of that out because it sounds incredible. Check out. The other hand-selected packages that are guaranteed to make Dad's Day because if there's one thing that we know, it's that Dad's want steak. It says that in the copy really big. Dad's want steak! It may, it, they, so, they want it so bad. Oh, am I back now? Yes, you're back. Oh. Audio faded there briefly at the very what, end of that what, ad. Where read. did it? Where did it cut off at? Because I right after you talked about it. how uh, how much dads want steak, which I can't confirm. See, the, my microphone oh, fell off at that point. So I said, "Dads want steak," and I hit the desk, and the microphone fell off the desk at that point. Um, passionate, passionate ad read. Well, they they put it in all caps. Uh, and so I had to do that, but I also have to, there's a, there's a part in this that I had, like they require me to say, so I have to say it again. Uh, that's one steak minimum order may be required. See site for details. That's Omaha steaks, promo code balls. So there, <laughs> there we go. 
<laughs> ah, sorry about the uh, the technical glitch there. Well, it's better more. than it's better than our glitch on the field at Neyland right after the spring game, which was honestly, <laughs> you uh, you directed that whole fiasco and got us to a better spot where I was in full panic mode, just moving stuff. I wasn't really sure what to do. So you you definitely saved the day on that one, but this this one paled in comparison to that. You got to figure it out. Uh, sometimes these these things happen, and you have to adapt to adversity. Be as as, but, as Butch Jones would say, you have to be resilient. <clears throat> um, <laughs> so, all right. So there was an article from uh, Pro Football Focus. It's called 10 Draft Eligible Quarterbacks to Know. And it is basically just a list of like the top dudes uh, in the quarterback class for 2024 for, for the NFL draft. And it's Caleb Williams. And it's Drake May at North Carolina. It's Michael Penix Jr. at Washington. It is Quinn Ewers at Texas. Bo Nix at Oregon. There's some some interesting selections here. Uh, but obviously the one that we want to talk about is Joe Milton the third, Tennessee's quarterback. This is uh at least some legitimate recognition of the fact that Joe Milton uh could be really, really good. And uh they say this is from the, the Pro Football Focus article, and we'll talk about exactly what they said. They said, get ready for a laser show in Knoxville. Milton has the strongest arm in college football. Quite frankly, it's not even close. His 11.1% big-time throw rate easily led all FBS signal callers. That's a really interesting stat. <clears throat> uh, with at least 100 dropbacks, he has fewer than 700 career snaps across his five seasons at Michigan and Tennessee, so it'll be interesting to see how he handles the starting job. So you, you got to love this, but it, it really, I, I like it because, first of all, I feel like he's been disrespected all offseason. And finally, at least when it comes to NFL talk, he's going to get a little bit of that respect. But when will it come for the actual football season? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But what do you think about this, Zach? Yeah, I think he definitely deserves to be in that NFL draft conversation because if you look at Joe Milton, uh, his, his attributes, his physical skills, his physical appearance, everything about him, it, it's a lot like Anthony Richardson. I think Anthony Richardson's better with his legs and in the open field where Milton's a little bit of, surprisingly more accurate passer if you look at Anthony Richardson's completion percentage and I think Will Levis falls in that same category where he's got the big arm physical stature but needs to prove a few things at the next level if Will Levis and and Anthony Richardson received that much hype uh, this past draft season you got to think that Joe Milton deserves that same hype I mean he's got the rocket arm he's got the you know six foot five he's built like a linebacker he's comparable to Cam Newton in size He's got to show those things that Cam Newton did, right? Like we we said last season that he needs better pocket presence. He needs to know when to take off. Uh, he needs to better field vision. There were times where I felt like there were, uh, you know, holes that he could have hit, avenues that he could have taken to get down the field where he's running and he, you know, doesn't go with his blockers or runs right into a defender. He's He's got to sure up that and get better in those areas. But if he can do that, complete around 60% of his passes and, and have similar success to Hendon Hooker as far as wins, you know, going maybe, you know, 10 and two, nine and three, whatever in the regular season. I think he has to be in that conversation to be a first round draft pick just because, you know, those, he has skills that you can't teach that you drool over. And if he takes a huge step forward this season, showing that he's progressed since he left Michigan, you know, under Josh Heupel, which is what we expect and, and kind of what he showed in that Clemson game. I don't see how he's not a first round draft pick. I just, I don't see how it's, it's he wouldn't be in that conversation. He, he has some of the clearest physical attributes for an NFL guy that you'll see. I mean, that, that arm strength is obviously beyond anything really you'll see in college football almost ever. Um, but just his, his size and general physical presence is <laughs> ridiculous. Um, and there is definitely to your your point there. He's still got plenty to prove. There's no doubt about that. We've seen him improve though. And that's probably what I've I've disliked the most in the narrative around him is that there's really been no recognition outside of Tennessee fans of that improvement at all. And of course, you know, we say that from the from the view of how we've watched this kid every single snap he's taken at the university of Tennessee. And from that first one that he had uh, against what was, was the very first game, the uh, bowling, bowling green, last bowling year, green. 2021. Yeah. I mean, from then to that Clemson game, it's not necessarily night and day. 
he still can be overthrow Joe and things like that. But his accuracy and decision-making and his comfortability in that system is at a complete other level. And I think there's a real chance that he could storm into the season and then be one of the best quarterbacks in America. I mean, is he going to beat out a guy in terms of NFL ability? Is he going to beat out a guy like Caleb Williams? Probably not. I mean, Caleb Williams is sort of just that prototypical, like, yeah. oh, that's the dude you draft as an NFL quarterback. But even Caleb Williams plays in a weird, non-traditional offense. You it's know, true. Lincoln Raleigh. Yeah, he he definitely does. And and I mean, and also you look at like last season, you gotta assume he'll he'll continue to improve, but like last season kind of crumbled in that championship game against uh Utah. TCU or Utah, that's and, right. Yeah. Utah and then uh in the bowl game, uh to, they lost to Tulane in the bowl game, didn't they? Um to the to the ACL less running back that now plays for the Titans. Um <laughs> but, he's healthy. Uh, that was his answer to his question. Every question uh, asked about, do you have an ACL? He was just like, yeah, I'm healthy. <laughs> I mean, he's technically not lying, I guess. Uh, but I I like uh, I like Mr. Jones' comment here. He said, Milton has the strongest arm in the NFL also. That's probably true. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's, it's not in the NFL yet, but like, who who else has the arm strength that you've seen from Joe Milton where he can just shoot from the hip a 60-yard pass? Josh Allen, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Mahomes can sling it pretty far, too, but I'd still take Milton in that bet if you're betting on who can throw it down the field the furthest. Yeah, but uh, Elias does make a good point here in terms of evaluating Joe Milton. He says, I don't really know what the accuracy baseline is for this specific system with how open Tennessee schemes their wide receivers, and he says it's got to be inflated. Yeah. I would agree with that. We did see some 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 throws in that Clemson game. The the, the first touchdown to Brew McCoy in the back of the end zone was a yeah. kind of a narrow window. And then there was a I want to say there was a third down play near the middle of the field where they're driving. The game was still kind of tight at that time. I think he hit Ramel Keaton in a very narrow window that was one of the more impressive throws I'd seen him make. And it was a throw where his velocity he was pretty close to Keaton, but he didn't take anything off of it because he, the window wasn't that big. And I think he knew he had to dial up the arm strength there and he fit it in there and it was a completion kept the drive alive. I'll have to go back and try to find that. But he's shown that he he can make some of those throws. Obviously, though, you know, two, two plays is not enough to really determine if you can make that throw consistently enough to excel in the NFL. But uh, it, it's a good point. You, you're not asked to throw into a lot of tight windows in this offense. Not typically. Uh, and that that criticism is always going to stay around but i i you know you love uh like hinnon hooker's reaction to that during this offseason where he's just like how is it my fault that my dudes are open you know i'm sorry did i not get them the ball and and which is the perfect response to that is you you do you do what you can do it doesn't mean you don't have the ability and with milton if he can continue on that line of uh of getting the ball to where it needs to go accurately I think it's a huge advantage in some sense if if the balls are catchable that he can get it there more quickly because it kind of I don't want to say it solves things like timing issues but it makes timing issues not as much of an issue if that makes sense where you zip the ball in there oh well you were late on the throw well the ball was coming in at a million miles an hour and yeah. so it it still got there in time, it can. I, I kind of feel like that. That one in the back of the end zone was a little bit like that. The one that you mentioned, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> just an extremely tight window, and you sort of go like, "Oh, if that got there a half second later, it's, it might not have been completed." But it did because Joe Milton throws the ball at a thousand miles an hour, and uh, yeah, I, he he just has so much upside. I, I love that he can get, at least get this recognition. The only other SEC quarterback that was on that entire list. Uh, was Jaden Daniels at LSU, who uh, obviously got his head beat in by Tennessee last season. He did improve quite a bit as the season went along. He did. He and, definitely and did. Brian Kelly started him over, you know, Garrett Nussmeyer, uh, Walker Howard, who is now trans he was a five star guy. He's transferred to Ole Miss now. He had guys there. Uh, Miles Brennan, I think, was still there before he finally kind of stepped away from football. He had quite a quite a journey and a lot of injuries that he dealt with and never really was able to reach his full potential. But obviously they saw something in Daniels. Maybe he can be a legitimate NFL prospect, but you're right. Outside of those two, there's not a lot of, you know, elite SEC quarterbacks going into this season. Maybe somebody pops up out of nowhere and surprises. That's always possible, but it, 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 it does seem like it could be kind of a down year for the quarterbacks in the SEC. Well, and you, I mean, you have some situations where you literally don't know who it's going to be. Like, who is it? 
for uh, Georgia this season? Do they have that guy set? I know there's dudes that they probably want it to be. Um, I can act like I'm paying close attention to what George is doing, but there's some situations like that where that quarterback could end up being very good, but where exactly does that fall? Um, you have, uh, who's the, the kid at, uh, at Kentucky he came from, uh, NC state, uh, Leary, Leary. Devin, Le- De- yeah. Devin Leary. You have, you have some guys like that where you you look and you go like, okay, he was pretty good in NC State's system, but Kentucky's system in the last few years has been trash. <laughs> and so, well, it, um, it wasn't so bad in 2021, and they, they have that okay. and they Fair. have that OC coming back. You know, Cohen yeah. that was with the you know I think the Rams briefly. So here's, I just typed this in to see what what the the quarterbacks are potentially this season for different uh, teams. This is a uh, college football network. Um, super random. I don't think that they are really bringing a whole lot of expertise here, but this is their QB rankings for the SEC. Number one, Will Rogers of Mississippi State. He's really good. I don't hate that selection. Then Devin Leary at Kentucky. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that this is a Kentucky fan that wrote this um, because nobody is putting Devin Leary there <laughs> except for a Kentucky fan. Um, Jaden Daniels at LSU at number three, KJ Jefferson at four, eh, number five, mm. Spencer Rattler. And then Milton comes in at six. They also mentioned Nico there, but I think Joe's going to be the starter. Yeah. Uh, um, Spencer Sanders or Jackson dart at Ole Miss, but yeah, like at Texas a Connor Wegman, who, Robbie Ashford at Auburn was, you know, a nobody last year. AJ Swan was so bad at Vandy, but didn't I don't even know. Is this even they had Mike Wright too, but they were Wright Wright transferred, didn't he? Yeah, and he they were like splitting time last season. I mean, they were both so bad. Um, but this was just uh that was the first thing that came up <laughs> when I lo- looked at Who do they uh, have listed for Georgia? Yeah, and that, that's what I was trying to find. So they Let's have Ty, Tyler Buckner, Jalen Milrow, or Ty Simpson at Alabama, which, well, good luck with that. Probably going to be the Notre Dame guy. Yes. Graham Mertz at Florida. I hope that's right. Mertz at Florida. Uh, and then Carson Becker, Brock Vandergriff. Those are the I two think it's going to be Georgia. Beck probably at Georgia. That's what it sounds like. And Brady Cook at Missouri. I mean, he wasn't horrendous last year, Brady Cook. He wasn't good. But he was better than the kid at Vandy. I know that much. Maybe there's a Vandy fan that was writing that. <laughs> I don't know. That's uh, here's here's Sports Illustrated. Let's let's see what they they said. Theirs is very different. So KJ Jefferson is number one again. Don't hate that pick. Will Rogers too. Georgia's quarterback at three. So they're just hopping, just going straight. Total disrespect to Joe Milton to a number of guys, but straight over Joe Milton. Then they go at number four, Alabama's quarterback. And then Jaden Daniels, they're they're going over a dude that beat Alabama last year. <laughs> they're just going, whoop, nope. Whoever Alabama's quarterback is, Jalen Milrow was terrible every time he played. There's really uh, no reason for Alabama to be getting hyped like they are, except for the fact that they're Alabama. And that's not to say they might they might come out and go twelve and zero in the regular season and make another run. I'm never ever going to discount Nick Saban or say that he's he's cooked until he is until he retires, but. Their quarterback situation is not good. I mean, you got a guy, you're taking a reject from Notre Dame, basically. I mean, they went and got a guy from Wake Forest, who I'm not even sold on. I've watched Sam Hartman play in person a couple of times. And that was another weird, unique offense that Dave Clawson, I mean, Tennessee fans should be familiar with with him and and his kind of unique offense. And it's even kind of gotten more unique since he left Tennessee. It's these weird mesh points where they hold on to the ball a real long time. It's, It's... in theory, the same thing Tennessee's doing as far as trying to read the defense and react, <clears throat> but the, I'm not sold on that guy. And then Alabama, you know, takes the guy that Notre Dame didn't want to start, and he's probably going to be their starter over Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow. That's it's not a good situation. And we saw Alabama's defense looking very suspect last year, and they lose their best defensive player in Will Anderson, and then Byron Young, the Alabama version of Byron Young, going to the NFL as well. I mean, it could be a challenging year for Alabama. I completely agree. And not that I'm hope, feeling great about Tennessee going to Tuscaloosa. That's going to be a dog fight no matter what. Uh, even yeah. at best, even if Tennessee does somehow pull that game out, I don't think it's going to, it'll probably be a one score game. 
Uh, Elias in the comments, he says, I got to have Daniels and Jefferson at one and two without any doubt. Again, picks picks that I don't hate. I I would put some combination of Will Rogers, KJ Jefferson, Daniels uh, in those top spots. Devin I think Leary. You- yeah, I think you got to go Daniels pretty high. I mean, he led LSU to an SEC championship game appearance in his first season, that Brian Kelly's first season coming out of the SEC West. Yeah. I mean, they got an assist from Tennessee, you know, beating Alabama, but I think you have to give Daniels that respect for now. For for sure. I mean, just they're they're just known entities. That's the difference yeah. between what Georgia is going to put out there, what Alabama is going to put out mm-hmm. there. We've, we've seen these guys play. So either way, the, the clear, I think the consensus here is that no one is giving Joe Milton any kind of respect because in every, both of those articles assumed that he's competing with Nico, which there's really been no indication of that at all. Uh, and I mean, it's basically, it's Joe's team until it's not. Um, and then obviously he's way down the list on, on both of these. And so uh, I, w- I would say, thank goodness, at least some NFL writers have have a brain in their head. And well, that actually, I kind of take that back. At least some of these NFL writers have taken some notice of Joe Milton. <laughs> but um, regardless, just want to talk about it. Lead off with that because it's always fun to talk about the quarterback situation in Tennessee. It's what everybody always wants to know about. So um yeah, and if Milton can take a big step this season and have a, I mean, he doesn't even have to be Hendon Hooker. Just you, you know, go have a fantastic year where maybe you're in that Heisman conversation a little bit. But Tennessee's winning games; they're getting back up to at least ten wins. And you go back and you look at everything that was said about him at Michigan since he left Michigan and arrived at Tennessee, and those overthrow twenty-one and uh, the team point. Joe Milton and how he's never going to figure it out. If he ever figures it out, he'll be great. And then he's been, you know, redshirt senior still hasn't figured it out. If he goes and flips that narrative upside down, I think it'll really set Tennessee off on a, you know, recruiting hot streak when it comes to quarterbacks. They kind of already are, but it'll just intensify that even more because it shows what Josh Heupel and his staff can do in developing quarterbacks. And I mean, how long has it been since they could do that? Since they, since Cutcliffe was in town? I mean, Lane Kiffin maybe in 2009 was did great with Jonathan Crompton, but outside of those two guys, it's been a long time since since Tennessee's been able to develop quarterbacks like this. It really has been, and it's it's amazing to see. So hopefully everything that we want for Joe Milton comes to fruition, and uh, we'll, we'll keep, if nobody else is going to give him respect, we will here on the Big Orange Podcast. So uh, now we have a, a couple other odds and ends for football, a little recruiting talk, and a little bit of update on falls in the NFL. And I'll tell you about that right after I tell you about our next amazing sponsor, Farm Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau Health Plans have been serving Tennesseans for over 75 years. Much has changed in Tennessee, but some has stayed the same. Farm Bureau Health Plans has always valued personal relationships, especially when it comes to good health and good service. Plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for health. Dental and Vision for better coverage, better rates, and better service. Go to fbhp.com slash ATOZ or walk into one of their 200 plus locations across the state. That is fbhp.com slash ATOZ farm. Bureau health plans. Uh, I won't have to beat on the desk this time to make the point. They they don't they don't include as much enthusiasm in their read <laughs> farm bureau health plans, but we love them all the same because they are an amazing sponsor. So go over fbhp.com slash ATOZ. Um, and uh, support them because they're supporting us. Now, you had a, a quick article on azsports.com, Zach, about uh, Cedric Tillman and some comments that have been made about him in minicamp. We've we said it after the season ended. He had this injury riddled season with Tennessee, and it was just a real shame. It obviously gave Jalen Hyatt a time to shine, and that was incredible. But I think we all knew that Tillman has incredible skill. And uh, he's finally getting to really show that. And uh, you, you wrote some about what guys have seen in his time with the Browns. What was that that you put up there, Zach? Yeah, I mean, he just had his first rookie minicamp right after getting drafted. And, and I'm like you said, I, I thought that maybe he was the more sure thing out of between him and Jalen Hyatt. If I was an NFL team picking a receiver there in the you know second, third round where they went, third round, I would probably go Cedric Tillman over Hyatt. Maybe if. Maybe if I was the Chiefs, I would take Hyatt because I think he'd fit that offense really well. And I think he'll fit the Giants offense well because there's some elements of the Chiefs offense in that with Mike Kafka coming from KC being there in New York. But I really like Tillman. I think he's a great fit for the NFL. 
And so far, it seems like the beat writers in Cleveland feel the same way. It's just minicamp. Everybody kind of gets hyped this time of year. But we've also seen plenty of instances where guys don't get hype. I mean, we've talked about the Titans a lot. You remember the Titans last season or last year at this time with Traylon Burks and all the stuff he went through in the offseason before he ever played a game for the Titans with various injuries and uh, conditioning issues. It didn't get off to a good start for him, and he was a first-round pitch. So it does happen sometimes. But Tillman's getting some some good reviews so far from Cleveland. Uh, Mary Kay Cabot, longtime Browns beat writer, was on a did an interview after the Browns mini camp this past weekend. She was asked, you know, which one of these rookies can make an impact for the Browns, not just in 2023, but long term. And she said, you know, let me say, because you know, he just so far, he's got the size, he's got the hands, he's got the ability to point the ball. He'll have some good competition because Donovan Peoples Jones, another Browns receiver. He's gotten really good, but I think Cedric Tillman is someone who can come in here and make some real noise. Uh, and a lot of the Browns beat writers have been on that same, you know, page that he looks the part. He looks like an NFL wide receiver should out there. He's catching what's thrown his way. He can go up and make those contested catches. He can adjust to the poorly thrown balls from a quarterback that are going to happen from time to time and and make something out of nothing. So it seems like he's on the right path so far. That would be so huge for Tennessee in recruiting if. Just him or Hyatt one, if both of them, then great. But if just one of them can go and, and have a solid NFL career and have some thousand yard receiving seasons, it'll really shut some of these narratives down. Like, no, this offense doesn't handicap you when you get to the NFL and, and put you behind everybody else. You're right there with everyone else. You got to learn the playbook, of course, but it's ultimately up to the player themselves to to go out there and perform and to digest the information and to be prepared and to be out there and, and, and put forth the effort, put in the hard work and go make an impact. And I think Hyde and Tillman are both guys that will do that. You, you saw Tillman last season. He knew what was on the line with his his draft stock and, and potentially making his injury worse. And he did everything he could to get back on the field. They even asked him at the mini camp this past week, if he ever considered it shutting it down. And he's like, no, you know, I wanted to come back and try to help my team win a championship. And they came up short, but he came back and he played against Kentucky. He played against South Carolina and Georgia and in those games and, you know, did all he could to get back. And then same with Hyatt, the work he put in, you know, he famously stayed late the week after the Alabama game, catching extra balls. I mean, he's had the game of his life against Alabama, Nick Saban. You know, a game that everyone will remember. People that aren't even Tennessee fans. It, he didn't get a big head. He didn't think that he had arrived. He sat there and, you know, put the work in uh, even after that. So I think both those guys have the work ethic to succeed in the NFL. So far, they're on the right track. Brian Dable seems happy with Hyatt in New, in New York. We'll see how it turns out this fall, but it, it's certainly encouraging. I I just want to see for Tillman specifically – just him get his real due because it was a total shame that he missed a, a giant chunk of this season. And he never, he never gave up on the season either. Mm-hmm. He's kept trying to come back, trying to come back. And I, I love him for that. And obviously everything that he did during his time at Tennessee, but he deserves to really shine because he has that ability. I think he's going to get that chance in the NFL. And, and again, to your point there, what what can you say about what it would mean for Tennessee to have not only wide receivers drafted relatively high? You already got that and a few times over at this point. And that's amazing. And that speaks for itself in recruiting. But to maybe turn around and have a guy who's a star uh, in, in the NFL or at least really good at his position uh, would just be massive where you could where he could come during the bye week and come to a Tennessee game and talk to recruits and be like, this is where Josh Heupel sends you. You're going to go, you're going to play for the Kansas city chiefs. You can have a big career and he's going to do that for you. And I mean, obviously that's so powerful. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, I, I would say the easiest position on this entire football team to recruit to is probably wide receiver, almost no matter what you do at this point, <laughs> but uh, that would just add, add to it. So, but because it's it's probably such a desirable position for for Tennessee at this point. I mean, what I really want to see is just Tillman Tillman get his. I want this guy to be rewarded 
with uh, a good a good time in the NFL because I think he has the ability. The thing that scares me is that it's the Browns. Let's be completely honest here. It's a disaster organization. They are perpetually terrible because of the guy that owns the place. Uh, and you know, who I, by the uh, way, you know, Jim Haslam, Browns owner that you're you're referencing. Uh, Cedric Tillman on draft night was asked about Jim Haslam in the Tennessee connection, and he pointed out that that Haslam would come to practices quite often, and he saw him quite a bit at Tennessee, which I've it's not put out there a lot, it's not publicized a lot, but I kind of figured that might be the case. I wasn't really sure how how often he's showing up to those practices and stuff, but it sounds like he was he was around quite a bit. Lord knows he loves the meddling things. Uh, if we know anything about that at the University of Tennessee, uh, but yeah, I mean the Browns are just a disaster organization. So hopefully he can shine through that because I know he has the ability to, and and I really want that for him. But uh, the final note for Tennessee football and just wrapping up football for the night before we move on to the news that we were all kind of fearing for basketball coming to fruition. Uh, Going to talk a little bit of recruiting. One one of these. Fun notes. I, th- this might be the thing that I love most in recruiting is when this happens. Uh, a big time, re- well, outside of obviously recruits committing to Tennessee, uh, but big time recruit got a prediction to come to Tennessee. I always like to see if these actually come true. And uh, this one would be massive for Tennessee. So, Camarion Franklin is a four-star on on three. He is a five-star 247 and a five-star rivals.com. Uh, and at on three, I don't know who the analyst was. That predicted? He, yes. It's Sam Sam Spiegelman. Uh, yeah, here it is. I couldn't find it. Sam Spiegelman, national recruiting analyst at on three. He says that Camarion Franklin will choose Tennessee. That is his prediction. And then the recruiting prediction machine for Franklin is at 77% to Tennessee. Now that can certainly be wrong. It's not some kind of, you know, soothsayer that's going to know the future, but these guys are connected that write about recruiting, especially the national guys. They talk to absolutely everybody. And a lot of the time they'll, they'll know a recruit is committing before they ever commit. Obviously we see this a recruit commits and these recruiting writers have a story already written. Well, they didn't write that story in 30 seconds. They yeah. knew or a video. Or, they have these videos. Video. Yeah, yeah. Interviews. The people that made that video knew where this kid was going to school. So like they, they have a, a pretty good insight there. Obviously this would be massive, 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 not only because he's a five-star, but it's on the defensive line. And if you added this kid to the boat on top of the uh, the potential you already have there with some of the dudes that are on this defensive line already, some of the dudes that are in this recruiting class already, and then you add kind of a linchpin guy, you, you could have a pretty serious setup there for Rodney Garner, man. I mean, that, that defensive line could be the real deal sometime soon. Yeah, I mean, and the defensive line is where everything starts. I mean, that's where your pass coverage even starts, really, because if you're if you're not getting pressure with your front four and you're having to bring extra guys, it, it weakens your pass defense. It, it, nothing worse. I mean, it all kind of starts with the defensive line. That's We've said it a bunch. That's why Georgia had so much success defending Tennessee's offense because they got pressure with their front four. I think Tennessee saw that. They recognized that that was a, one of their problems with the, their secondaries. They were just asking their guys to cover you know, guys too long down the field. Not all the time. There are some bad plays, but that was a big part of it. And they've made that a priority this offseason, fixing that pass rush. They brought in Robert Ayers, former Tennessee defensive lineman and played in the NFL as a graduate assistant. And even Rodney Gardner pointed out that part of the reason he's there is to help with that pass rush, to help, you know, improve in that area, which is great that they're, you know, identifying that as a weakness and wanting to fix it. The other part of fixing it is just getting five-star guys, like going and getting the five-star guys like Georgia gets that can go and win any of these one-on-one matchups against offensive linemen. you got to have guys that can beat some of the best right tackles and left tackles in the league. If you can get some of those guys, it can change everything for Tennessee. I mean, that's what can really make them a legitimate championship contender every single season. If the offense the offense doesn't even have to average you know, 46, 47 points a game every single year if you have the defense that can that can go out there and stop guys. And, you know, maybe you're winning games – you know, 38 to 
to 21 or, or whatever the case may be. You don't have to go out there and score 50, 60 points every single game. I mean, that's great if you can do that. But if you can get that defense to be a little more consistent and get that, you know, drop that points given up per game, it's, it's always going to be a little high because there's so many extra possessions for the opposing team. But if you can get it around 20, 22 points, somewhere in that area, 19 points, I mean, that's a game changer, really. And it starts with guys like Camarion Franklin. Elias says it here in the comments. I'm just imagining how good this program could be if they were a wall against the run. Seriously. All this team needs, or this program with Josh Heupel needs, is an elite defense. Now, that's an extreme. It doesn't even have to be like elite. It, it, just, it does, yeah, that's true. Just it, average, it, slightly above average would, would have done the trick yeah, last year. You would have just solid. Just yeah. a solid defense that that can get a decent amount of stops in every game. Not not get 63 points scored on it by a mediocre quarterback. You know, it's that. Let's not have that. And you you said it. It starts at that defensive line. And you're stacking up. If you can get Franklin, you're stacking up some guys. Now, you had David Hobbs last year on the edge. Caleb Herring, who, who will be up front. And then you add Camarion. That's a possible NFL guy, Caleb Herring. Yes. And and so add all that together with, in my opinion, one of the best defensive line coaches in America, probably the best or one of the best recruiters as a defensive line coach in college football in Rodney Garner. And it's it's a really solid line that, that you're kind of setting up to have. And that's really, really exciting. It has to actually happen, but it's, I mean, just the fact that this is happening with Josh Heupel, I, I don't want to rewrite history for myself at all here. I didn't think he'd be able to recruit like this as, as, cause you, you saw what he did at UCF and you just go, oh yeah, that the offense will come naturally. Of course you'll be able to recruit the offense here. Everybody's going to get theirs. Everybody's going to have a thousand yards rushing and a thousand yards receiving. And that, you know, that's going to be a regular thing at Tennessee with him. But on defense, I don't know who they're going to recruit. I, that was 100% my attitude when he first showed up. And the fact that they're getting legitimately elite level guys and, and, you know, Franklin, it hasn't happened yet, but the fact that they're this deep in play with legitimately elite level guys, even is impressive. So, Hopefully this this ends up happening. They get this kid in the boat because you need it. And uh, I, 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 it just keeps just keep impressing me. We we've said it a ton. The recruiting overall, obviously, to consistently get to where like a Georgia is right now, you have to rise above the the sort of mid level recruit and consistently elite uh, get to that elite level. But how do you do that? Well, you just keep getting better guys and better guys and better guys stack those classes. And eventually you're going to get enough wins where those elite guys are just always going to want to come to Tennessee. So uh, hopefully this can add to that, but uh, anything else with football before we, we bounce on it. Zach? Now I remember those concerns about hype when he was hired. I think we all had those same concerns. I think it's a concern everybody has when a new coach is hired. I remember it with Butch Jones, not as much with Jeremy Pruitt because he had had so much success at Alabama recruiting, which, who hasn't that recruits at Alabama, but uh, with Derek Dooley as well. Uh, the thing with Heupel is that, yeah, UCF, it wasn't amazing. It wasn't, you know, just he's setting the recruiting trail on fire down there. I think part of being a good recruiter as a head coach is believing in where you're at. I, I mean, there's an excitement about Tennessee. If you go back, I watched a ton of Josh Heupel interviews at UCF uh, when he took the Tennessee job, just to kind of get a feel for who he was. Cause I wasn't, you know, intimately familiar with him as a head coach, uh, even though he's in the SEC for a couple of years as an offensive coordinator. I just knew him as the guy that, you know, that won a championship at Oklahoma and, and took over for Scott Frost. And like a lot of people, I just kind of gave that credit to Scott Frost uh, and looked at his resume. And I think that's the reason people were kind of down on the hire at first. But he believes in Tennessee. He loves being at Tennessee. I mean, he is he's a completely different person almost than he was at UCF and his interactions with people. He's relaxed. He's he's got this confidence about him where he's just at ease wherever he's around. I mean, you can just feel it uh, uh, coming from him. So I think that's the reason the recruiting's been you know better than maybe we expected is because he he believes in what he's selling. I mean, you have guys in and out college football coaching staffs can be a revolving door at times. It certainly was when Pruitt was at Tennessee and 
seen it at plenty of other programs. It's hard to make a passionate sell to a kid when you're just there for a year and you know you're not going to be there for that long. I mean, these guys do their jobs. That The outgoing staff with Pruitt that was left, they did their jobs. They kept recruiting and doing what they were supposed to do until they didn't have a job anymore, and, and you respect that. But it's not the same selling point that you're getting from those guys or the, the same pitch that you're getting from those guys that you're getting from Hypo and his guys now. I mean, it, it really does feel like a, a destination for Hypo. Who knows what happens in the future? But for right now, he believes in the product here at Tennessee, and you know it, it's easy to sell it when you're passionate about it. Absolutely. Well said. I mean, it, genuinely. Uh, hey, let's leave it there as far as the recruiting goes. I, I think that's good. It was a great point. And and just keep that keep that train rolling. We all like where it's going and where obviously where it's already been. So uh, just keep moving in the right direction. So we'll move on. Uh, it's a little bit of basketball. The probably the worst possible outcome as far as returning players. Well, the the worst possible outcome would have been obviously Santiago Vescovi also leaving. But uh, the worst possible outcome in terms of players leaving close to it has come to fruition this week. We're going to talk about that in just a second after I tell you about Superbook Sports. Bring that big bet energy this summer. The Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports is the most trusted name in sports betting. And right now, use promo code A2Z to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they will match your first bet up to $250 with promo code A to Z. A-T-O-Z. Simply visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions or download the Superbook Tennessee app in the App Store. Enter the promo code A to Z and you'll get $250 courtesy of Superbook Sports. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER, G-A-M-B-L-E-R. The Superbook Sports Tennessee app, folks. Download it now. Support them because they support us. Now... uh, Julian Phillips, five-star player for Tennessee. Uh, not unexpected at all, but it's official. He is either transferring from Tennessee or he is going to the NBA. I still lean to the fact that he's probably going to go to the NBA, but he's uh, leaving. We already talked about BJ Edwards. I believe we mentioned him on last week's show. He is transferring from Tennessee, so the backup point guard situation is in, in a little bit of limbo there, maybe. Um, but Jul- man, Julian Phillips... What a shame that just really everything that happened there. And now again, either transferring or going to the NBA. Hopefully it's the NBA. Cause I cannot stand if he go, especially if he goes somewhere in the sec and Tennessee has to see him next year. Just ugh, don't, don't let that happen. Um, but you could tell the ability was there. He would have flashes moments where you go, Whoa, this kid could really be the real deal. And it just never really came together for him at Tennessee. So he's officially out. What'd you think about this news, Zach? I mean, I wasn't totally shocked about the portal. I mean, my, my feeling was always NBA draft for sure. If not, maybe he comes back, but I mean, I just, I think it's going to cause Rick Barnes to maybe take a hit when it comes to recruiting some of these five-star guys, because they just haven't, they haven't blown up and, and turned into these like lottery picks. I mean, Kennedy Chandler was a little different because his height was never really going to let him be an early round draft pick. But I think it, it, it gives other teams, you know, easy ammo to use against Tennessee when it comes to recruiting these guys. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing either. I'm not sure that this might sound counterproductive, but I'm not sure landing five star recruits is the absolute best thing for Rick Barnes. It feels like the way he builds a team you get some of that veteran leadership and you get the three-star and four-star guys that you can develop and buy into his system. You know, if you replace Julian Phillips with, you know, maybe a lesser talented player that completely buys into Rick Barnes system and and is out there doing what Rick Barnes wants him to do. And that's not to say that Phillips wasn't, I just don't think that, I don't think that's necessarily who Phillips is. Is that team better last season because you got a more productive player that's, you know, playing within Rick Barnes system. I don't know. I mean, I, my philosophy on building a, a championship college team is not to go after the five stars. It's to actually try to build a program and keep guys together that have played with each other for a couple of years. And you know, maybe it's just too old school. It's the way they did it in the nineties and, you know, before transfer portal era and, and all of that and the NBA draft and everybody leaving as soon as they can. 
I just, I just don't, I'm not sure. I know everybody screamed for it for a long time that, you know, Rick Barnes can't recruit, Rick Barnes can't recruit. And then he starts to get the guys and they just haven't really panned out. You know, is that Barnes fault? Is it their fault? You know, where do you put that blame? Mr. Jones, he kind of says some of my thought here. He says Barnes not focusing on offense is probably costing him recruits. I think that's true. The, the All of these things add up over time. Yeah, defense doesn't get you drafted. Exactly. Uh, everybody wants to be in that flashy Golden State Warriors, putting up all the threes, doing all the things. And there's a lot of teams offering that. College basketball has certainly adapted to that in a, in a big way. A lot of, a lot of teams uh, kind of doing that sort of stuff. And Barnes has just run in the exact opposite direction. Now, I hope you see some of the guys that he's picked up. This, so far in the offseason, has been very offense-heavy in terms of the transfers he's gotten. Uh, Jordan Ganey, this kid from Harvard, the uh, Necht from, uh, oh, where did he come from? It was a smaller school, Dalton Necht. Um, oh, yeah. It's like, North, not Northern Iowa, one of those. But uh, they, they all seem pretty offense-focused. Hopefully, there's some amount of philosophy change there for Barnes. That maybe, oh, maybe this super defensive heavy thing isn't working out. But I, at this at this point, you know, as a, what do you say, like a tiger can't change its stripes. It just kind of is what it is. I I wish he would. Because, yeah, I, I think eventually it's going to catch up to you. And maybe that is what ends up leading to, like, the, the sort of roll down of the Barnes era at Tennessee. It, ha- it hasn't really happened yet. You got a good recruiting class coming in it's not it's not pepper with five stars but you know jp estrella and and uh you know it's a decent class coming in but i i just think you you look and the the primary thing that barnes has had in terms of offense during his entire time at tennessee was just grant williams and you really look at the way grant williams played and like grant williams was kind of a coach on the court like Mm -hmm. he obviously you know but barnes barnes was the coach and was dictating the style of play probably largely but i i think barnes implicitly trusted grant williams and there was just a lot there between him and admiral schofield and he just doesn't with these young guys he doesn't trust them you can tell he doesn't trust them at all to go out there and just play basketball bj edwards i mean the dude was a complete you know legitimate four star comes in you think he has that ability and, and it was just so clear like barnes just didn't have any comfortability letting him play almost at all. And it happened with Julian Phillips too. There were just whole stretches of the season where you're like, where even is Julian Phillips? They're not doing anything to try to help this kid out. And I, I just think it's, uh, I, I don't know. I, mm. (laughs) I don't love it, but do you have any expectation, early expectations for, for next season yet? Now that you're kind of seeing how the roster is going to look. If Barnes actually changes a little bit and and concentrates more on offense and again these tr- these pickups on the transfer portal possibly suggest that if he actually does it's a good set of players it's top end of the sec again for sure you're gonna have the best point guard in sec so i you know if if he gets back if uh ziegler gets back i guess that is contingent on his injury and everything he's gonna get back at some point in the season but i I don't know exactly where he'll be health wise at the very beginning of the year, but you'll, you'll arguably have best, best point guard in the league. Uh, one of the best shooting guards in the league with Santi. And so a pretty decent backcourt front court. A do keeps progressing. That's nice. I, it's there. The roster is certainly there, but will Barnes stop this antiquated, you know, slow plotting. no, uh, no fast break offense, no nothing. I I, I just wish he would change. <laughs> that, that's all. Cause I, I want to, I want to see him just get desperate to just go, you know, my, my career is kind of coming, coming into its final twilight here. Like I gotta, I gotta get desperate. I gotta just go for it. And he just, it seems like he's kind of going in the opposite direction, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't want to get too, too down on it and I'll give him a chance. I, he went to the sweet 16 this year. And so I'm not gonna, not gonna fire and, the guy. Yeah, and and it, we've said it many times. It was a very strange year in college basketball where you can't really hate on Rick Barnes for bowing out in the Sweet 16 with the way some of the other you know big name teams went out even earlier. 
Well, and like Ben in the comments here said, we literally ran a fast break offense with Kennedy Chandler. No, they didn't. I mean, he did. They did. They let Kennedy Chandler run some, but we complained that entire season about how, look at the way Kennedy Chandler plays and how Rick Barnes is not letting the kid unleash. He wasn't letting him just go. Like that was, I, I had that criticism that entire season. And so, obviously you could think what you want about Barnes, but we all watch what happened this season. And, and they got there. Mr. Jones says FAU though, FAU went out and beat you with that new style of basketball. They, they were hot. That, I mean, they were just a hot team. They were magic Cinderella. It seems to happen to Tennessee every freaking year, but <laughs> it I, is uncanny. I, regardless, they went out and they beat you with that new style of basketball. That, that young whippersnapper coach went and just beat Barnes. He outcoached him because that coach was coaching the modern style of basketball. And Barnes is still over here in the 1990s. That's yeah, like all. At Clemson still. Exactly. Uh, all right. We'll finish with a little bit of baseball, softball talk. Uh, and I got to tell you about our final great sponsor, the amazing folks at Rattle and Snap Tennessee Whiskey. Again, it's it's a lo-fi show again this week because I'm still uh, I haven't gotten settled in with all the new digs. But uh, if I had my bottle, I would hold it up here for you. But it's down there, down there in the corner on the banner, Rattle and Snap Tennessee Whiskey. Few things go better with a Tennessee sports victory than an awesome whiskey. And uh, you you probably saw it if you watched the game day show with me and Jonathan Crump. Then every single Tennessee football win we were having Rattle and Snap afterwards. And it was so great. Logstill Distillery is releasing a new Tennessee whiskey product line called Rattle and Snap, named after a long-forgotten game of chance. Rattle and Snap is a whiskey for those who make their own luck. There's the four-year and the eight-year version. They're both amazing, both great in cocktails, uh, both both great uh, by themselves, just right in the glass. And the bottle looks amazing, too, as you can see there in the corner. So go and find it in stores across the state of Tennessee, but it's also available in Kentucky, Indiana, Mississippi. Run, don't walk, and get yourself some Rattle and Snap. Tennessee select straight whiskey and follow them on Instagram at rattle and snap whiskey. Now we'll finish first. We, we got to mention this right up top, another sec championship for the Tennessee volunteers and specifically the lady Tennessee volunteers. The softball team goes to the sec tournament and rolls right through their wins in sec championship. It was so nice to see uh, Karen weekly, get that championship. I mean, obviously she's been there for forever and a day coaching that softball team. And they've been so perpetually good uh, for so long. They get that championship. She gets thousand Gatorade. Everybody's celebrating. It, it was beautiful. I I'm, I'm going to have to get me a t-shirt. I love it. Uh, and, and hopefully, I mean, this, this team is good enough to win a national championship. Although the main foe floating out there is uh, Oklahoma, who I think has won like, 43 straight games or some nonsense like that so that is nonsense not, nobody should dominate that much yeah it's not gonna be easy <laughs> but they have the ability they are a national championship level team and hopefully they can at a minimum get to the college world series and kind of give themselves a chance there but uh i don't know did, did you watch uh watch them win that championship Zach? yeah i was in and out uh for much of it but definitely a huge accomplishment and just the momentum of Tennessee's athletics, you know, continues to, to roll on. And I think it's the first time they've ever won the regular season uh, and the SEC tournament in the same season, which is Maybe. pretty impressive in, in its yeah. own right. So, you know, and taking down Alabama and South Carolina on the way, that was pretty fun too, especially being Alabama uh, to get to the championship. Some some real poetic justice with Allie Shipman being on uh, yes. Alabama's team. I saw, I saw somebody on Twitter. <laughs> they they posted uh it's this is uh henrietta toe yes yes i saw that as well very <laughs> thought clever that, thought that was great uh yeah i mean if you if you don't know the story there ali shipman was at tennessee and she went to alabama and uh and i posted on twitter like this was the best decision of my entire life to go to alabama mm -hmm. roll tide and whatever and then somebody posted a picture of that tweet and said it's henrietta Tolo. so uh <laughs> shout out to whoever did that i don't remember but um regardless congratulations to them best of luck in the ncaa tournament we will certainly be rooting for you and hoping for a national championship for tennessee uh because it's again for the for the weeklies man it's been such a long time coming want to see that finally happen 
for them, specifically for Karen. I guess Ralph's not not there. Or well, he he is there, but he's not an actual coach on the field anymore. Um, so good luck to them. But with baseball, Kentucky series, they they pretty much wiped the floor with Kentucky in the first two games, disposed of them in the first few innings, really. Um, and then the final game, Tennessee gets absolutely blown off their home field by Kentucky. Not great. It just wasn't their day. Everything went wrong. But, I mean, you you pretty much, you're good with the NCAA tournament now, and you're borderline. I, I, I think this would probably be the case. If the baseball team goes to South Carolina and wins the series, if they win two out of three, Tennessee will probably host a regional. It sounded like just from listening to the guys on TV, that was possibly the case. I don't know, but uh, your thoughts on the weekend of baseball, Zach? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a productive weekend. You needed to go win that series, and that was the main thing. Definitely wanted a sweep to to try to lock in, or not lock in, but increase your odds of hosting that that regional. But, I mean, still take two out of three. I mean, that's a successful baseball weekend. Anytime you win a series, you, you got to be happy about that. It ended on a sour note, definitely. You never want to get shut out. You definitely don't want to give up 10 runs on a, a you know, where you're trying to go for the sweep there. So that was unfortunate, but still feeling pretty positive about them moving forward. I think they'll, you know, they'll be fine once they get into tournament play and hopefully they can make a run at this thing. I mean, we said all season that it's shaping up to like Ole Miss last season and they've, you know, they turned the corner, they, they turned everything around, kind of got things moving in the right direction. We've seen some of the swagger, some of the old Tennessee comeback that we had seen last season. So I think you got to be feeling pretty positive. You got to prove you can win on the road. I mean, that's been the you know the bugaboo for this team. And you go down to Columbia, which hasn't really been kind to Tennessee athletics in recent memory. So hopefully, I, I might I might be able to check one of those games out. My kid, I think, is supposed to have a travel baseball tournament in Charlotte, which is not too far away from Columbia. So I might might try to sneak down there at some point this weekend and catch a game. You definitely should. Uh, it would be a big 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 series win if Tennessee could grab one. South Carolina is having a great season. They're a really good team. I think they're top 10 at the moment. I'm not sure exactly where. Basically every team in the SEC is top 10 at this point. <laughs> like you're not, you're not almost any week you're not going to play a not top 10 team. Um but it's it's another huge chance and I mean with this tournament coming up, it's the the ability's there. They just they got to win on the road. We haven't seen them do that all season long. They still have not done that, period. They simply haven't. And I, they haven't won a series on the road. So what more do you need to know right there? So after last season, just mowing everybody down home or away, it just makes you really uncomfortable with the tournament, and it makes you obviously beg for a regional because you <laughs> if you don't host a regional, you – automatically in the first round of the NCAA tournament have to go to an away game mm-hmm. and go play on somebody else's field. So hopefully they, they can bring it together, win two out of three against South Carolina. We'll see. It's uh, it's just so like feast or famine with these guys, man. Just, uh, yeah, just go go put the best stuff out there and, and we'll see what happens. It's just that kind of season where you're like, well, we know that it's it feels kind of like basketball. Well, we know it's we know they can do it. <laughs> they just have to go out there and, and actually do it. Will they? Maybe. I'm not totally sure. Uh, and they got a midweek game against Belmont, so it might be the you know last chance to see them in Knoxville. Yeah, go check it out because they are a super fun team. Make no mistake about that, especially in Lindsey Nelson and in, in this lit latter half of the SEC schedule. They've been a freaking blast to see uh, when they get the bats going. But Zach. I think that might be it, man. Anything else for the good folks at home before we bounce? Yeah, it's not bad for May. There was uh, more talking points than I thought there would be. Yeah, definitely. And we'll post I mean, the You clips. never know this time of year. <laughs> you really don't. <laughs> and honestly, the- you kind of want it to be quiet. I mean, we don't want to be talking about a, yeah. a lot of drama or bad things happening with the football team or basketball, baseball, any, any of the sports. But especially with football, this is kind of the dead of the offseason when – Kids are making their way back home, and and you know who knows what what can happen at times. It, it it gets everybody at some point. So hopefully Tennessee's kept their noses pretty clean under Josh Heupel. Hopefully that continues this summer. Yeah, don't want to be talking about any arrests. Don't need it. Don't want it. Just leave leave that somewhere else. Leave that to Florida. Leave that to Georgia. 
Leave that to Georgia's quarterback. I mean, how about <laughs> it's so yeah, it's so quiet around Tennessee. I don't think there's been enough. You know, we've talked about it, but the fact that this coaching staff, this football coaching staff, is going into its third year and they've replaced an offensive coordinator and a wide receivers coach who both left for you know promotions. Nobody on the defensive sides left, which I think is good. Even though the defense hasn't, you know, it, it's improved a little at times, and we saw some bright spots last year. I think that continuity will be massive for this team and maybe year three is where the defense breaks out like the offense did last uh well really in the first year of hypo but really last year oh just keep uh keep the quiet off season coming that's all i'll say i'm i'm happy to just talk about frivolous articles about you know quarterback rankings and stuff yeah, like maybe that. we can talk about you know another stc coach doing something dumb or yeah, know, exactly. maybe lane kiffin will who knows with that guy he's always in a little <laughs> bit of drama i did see some people suggesting that they might be overrated this year Ole miss you know going into the season that, that they start with i think they start with Tulane or play them pretty early which is a good team and play a couple of tough sec games so they could get off to like a a quick like one and three oh and three start like that if that happens the way kiffin's 2022 season ended going i think i think they went one in five in their last six games of the season after a 7-0 and start and all that talk about the Auburn job, it could get kind of noisy in Oxford if they get off to a slow start. Yeah, that'd be a shame. That'd be a real shame. Yeah. Wouldn't it? That had to happen. Uh, all right. Charlie Burroughs, Zach Reagan, thank you so, so much for watching. Everybody that tuned in, commented. You guys are too good to us. Uh, everybody that always comes and hangs out. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Y'all are amazing. You know where to follow us, a to zsports.com, Twitter. Just go find us. You're here. You know what to do. That is it. We will talk to y'all next week. See you guys later.